This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number 50 of Go To Grandma. 50! So excited that we have made it to this milestone, and the more I do this show, the more topics I realize we still need to cover. I've been so lucky to have some amazing guests and experts on the show to help us with our grand journey. Not all of them have been grandparents, of course, but are experts in their own fields, guiding us through today's world. But some of them have been grandparents, and I took this occasion to reach out to some of them to find out the best parts of being grandmas and granddads. I'll be sharing those on the show today and going forward. But first, let's get on with today's show. As regular listeners would know, I am an avid reader, so whenever I get the chance to interview an author whose books I have loved, I jump at it. If that person is also a grandparent and maybe writes a grandparenting column, well, I'm all over that. British author and six-time Sunday Times bestseller Jane Corey and I follow each other on Instagram, and she recently reached out to me to be her Grandparent of the Week for her weekly column, Diary of a Modern Grand, which runs in one of the UK's largest circulation publications, My Weekly. What an honor to be included. Of course, I immediately asked her to be on my show, and our interview is up today. Her new book and what writing this column means to her. My first international interview, and I couldn't be more pleased that it's Jane. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about the financial logistics of two grandparents getting married. Today, we're into the fun part of that subject as I chat with today's Bride Magazine editor-in-chief, Amy Bilby, about how we can incorporate today's wedding trends into a ceremony for our grand crowd. What traditions should we keep? What do we need to consider? And what is the role of both young and old grandchildren? Weddings can be expensive, and it might be one of the things you are planning on helping your grandchildren with down the road. But before they get there, it might be their education we want to help with. We're all pretty well-versed in the RESP program in Canada, but is that the best way to put money aside for your grandkids? It could be, but we'll also talk about why establishing a trust for them might suit your needs better as part of our ongoing Take 5 with RVC series. Fun and facts, fun and facts. Once again, we have it all. And I hope you have all of your coffee cup filled up as you sit back and join me on episode number 50 of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Amy Bilby is the editor-in-chief of Today's Bride magazine. Today's Bride is Canada's largest bridal media group. Today's Bride helps you find everything you need for your engagement, wedding day, and honeymoon. From the latest wedding dresses, stylish wedding invitations, best in wedding photography, bridesmaids dress ideas, wedding shoes, veils, to the latest in wedding cakes, fabulous venues and reception trends, gift registry, and real wedding inspiration. Good morning, Amy. Thanks for joining the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So this is hopefully a pretty fun topic. We're talking about grandparents or maybe people over the age of 55 who have grandkids and things going on in their lives getting married. So what I wanted to do was start with you, because you know everything about weddings, is talk to you about what the current wedding trends are and maybe how can they be incorporated into a wedding for grandparents or the over 55 crowd? You know, right before COVID, I think something really caught on, which was the rules are there are no rules. Mm -hmm. And post-COVID, it's even more so. So right now, people just really want to celebrate and do it their own way. 
So we're not looking at cookie-cutter weddings anymore. We're doing our own thing. And I think one of the big trends that have come out of this, you know, pandemic situation is backyard and cottage weddings. This doesn't mean you have to skimp on anything. It just means that, you know, you want to keep things more personal and close to home. And I think this is really great for grandparents, for the over 55 generation. Keep it at home. But the one thing I would say to them is don't do everything yourself. I know that grandparents are the matriarch or the patriarch of a family. They want to take on all the details themselves. They like to be in control. So hire a planner. That would still be my advice. I think that's great advice, the wedding planner advice, because you're right. We're like, I'll just do it. I'll just throw it up in the backyard and it'll, it'll be fun. But I love the idea, as you say, of maybe a cottage or something, if there's a family tradition that you can tie in as well to maybe where the kids and grandkids have been going for years. Exactly. It makes it feel like home and it's more personal and intimate. But the one thing, too, is if you're doing this, I mean, chances are you're going to have some older guests at the wedding. So if you're doing it at home or you're doing it at a cottage, there are a few things you have to remember. You have to have a safe path Mm -hmm. to the wedding, you know, to the ceremony. Make sure everything is lit very well. If it's in the evening, you might have to bring in extra lighting. And the other thing is bathroom access. Mm -hmm. One bathroom is not going to cut it. You're going to need more. So you might have to invest in bringing in some portable washrooms. They make really cute ones now um, that have a full bathroom mirror Mm -hmm. and things like that. But you just want all your guests to be really comfortable and safe and feeling like they want to have a great time and not nervous about the venue they're going to. I think that's great advice. You're right on the washroom side. I was thinking even at my cottage, I have two bathrooms, but guess what? Both of them you have to either go upstairs or downstairs to get to, right? Right. So things like that, you're right. And even if we're doing it outdoors, we want to make sure we have some contingency planning as well. If we do have to be indoors, is it accessible for everybody? Exactly. That's a great point too. So, you know, we're getting married and there's tons of maybe kids and grandkids Any advice on how to incorporate grandkids and kids in a special way for the wedding? So I love this because there is a trend right now. This is for, you know, current weddings of the grandmother flower girl, which is one of my favorite things. (laughs) Instead of having, you know, a little girl, if you don't have a little girl in your family or you don't have a ring bear, you invite your grandmother to throw the petals as you walk down the aisle, which I love. So the reverse of this is if your grandmother is getting married, I love the idea of the grandkids walking grandma down the aisle or walking grandpa down the aisle, holding his hand, you know, and that's who gives away the groom or bride. And whether they're three years old or they're 30 years old, it's so touching. Like like I'm like getting kind of emotional about it now. (laughs) It's so beautiful to watch different generations. And the other thing you can do is a mini wedding party. Mm. You know, just because you know, you're a grandparent getting married, you probably have a group of friends that you'd still like to participate in your wedding or you have siblings or you want your own kids. But then you can do a mini wedding party, too, with your little littles. Right. And, you know, have four or five of them walk down the aisle at the same time in their dresses or their tuxes. And it's really sweet. I love that suggestion. And you're right. You know, we might still want, like, maybe our best friend of 40 years to be by our side right when we do this again. But I love the idea of the, of the mini sort of complimenting mm-hmm. that as well. Okay, I'm going to go back on an old tradition then. The bride has to wear white. Well, honestly, if you're being preceded by six grandkids and four children, you know, does that still matter? Does that still count? So, again, the rules are there are no rules. Right. <laughs> and especially, you know, you might not want to wear white. You might want to go with something, you know, just like an off-white or a cream or a beige or a blush. But the great thing here that you can do is wear your something blue. Oh, nice. You know, yep. go with a blue outfit, which is always beautiful, and it holds to the tradition of, you know, something blue. The other thing right now 
is that suits are so in style. Mm. So if you're not into it, you don't want to wear a big wedding dress, just wear a suit. They're so trendy right now. Love Everybody it. is wearing them. I, and it's so funny to see even like kids at prom are going for suits. It's I love it. very fashionable. Yeah, it is. You're right. I've seen that with a lot yeah. of the prom pictures. And if a big wedding dress is your thing, go for it. Like, do you. That's the whole mantra of your wedding should be do you. So people don't realize you can have your wedding dress altered to however you want it. So if you find a dress that you love, Add sleeves to it. Right. Add length to it. You know, just have it altered to whatever makes you feel most comfortable because you want to you want to look like you. You want to feel like you. You don't want to pretend you're in a costume all day. You just want to be comfy. So what about gift giving? Because probably the grandparents have a lot of things. Any suggestions for a registry? Yeah. I mean, people love to say no gifts. You know, that's not going to be a thing. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to buy you a gift. Yeah. It just is what it is. I personally love registries because it really gives you a direction and what the couple wants. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to grandparents, the best idea is to buy experiences or travel for them. That's what I would do. And they can even register for honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And if they're retired, they may be on a fixed income. Travel may not be in their budget. So purchasing things like airline gift cards, Airbnb, bed and breakfast stuff, you know, they can take that time to themselves and travel when they want. And it's an experience rather than having more, I don't want to say junk. Yeah, but, but things, you know, yeah. They probably don't need another toaster. Maybe they don't want an air fryer. Yeah, or even just like a gift certificate for a nice restaurant or something like that, right, to yeah, treat themselves. Right. I love that idea. Restaurants for sure, and especially if Restaurants are a really great venue right now. Mm, true. You know, they're smaller. You can do the ceremony in a lot of restaurants, so you don't have to leave. You do the ceremony, you sit right down for your dinner. And it's actually a really great idea to get them a restaurant gift card for that restaurant. Because then in six months, they can go celebrate there, you know, thinking about their wedding. Nice. Well, Amy, you have always so many great ideas. And if we want more ideas on any kind of wedding, we can go to todaysbride.ca, Today's Bride magazine. And we can find you on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, everywhere. Thanks so much for your time today, Amy. I really appreciate your advice. Not a problem. So happy to do it. Take care. Jane Corey is a Sunday Times bestselling author, Washington Post bestseller, and she has sold a million copies worldwide in over 20 countries. She's a feature writer for numerous magazines, including Woman and Woman's Own. She's a regular contributor to The Daily Telegraph, a short story writer, a columnist for My Weekly Magazine, a former creative writing tutor at Oxford University, a former writer in residence at a high security male prison, and a former Royal Literary Fund Fellow at Exeter University. She is also the past winner of the Elizabeth Gouge Trophy for short stories and the Vera Britton Cup for short stories. Good morning, Jane Corey. I'm so excited to have you on the show this morning. Thank you. I'm really excited about being on it. So congratulations, first of all, on your new book, We All Have Our Secrets, which is zooming up the charts right now, not just in the UK, but everywhere, although I can't get my hands on it in Canada yet. Can you tell us a little bit about this new book? Yeah, absolutely. So it's about a woman called Emily, who um, is a midwife. She makes a mistake at work and She's in her mid-30s and comes running back home to where her father lives by the sea. And she's aware she hasn't seen him for a while, but really she just wants to wait there until things are sorted at work. And when she arrives at this beautiful family home that she lived in, which is rather now slightly dilapidated and by the sea, the door is opened by a stranger. 
and she has no idea who this woman is. And um, I'm not sure I should tell you who she is at this stage, but there, <laughs> let's, just, let's just say that Emily has her secrets. The woman who opens the front door to her also has her secrets. And Harold, the elderly father, who actually fought in the Second World War and has memories of that still, has his secrets as well. And each set of secrets could completely change the other's lives. Oh, I love it. I've loved all of your books. I know that we first connected, I think, on Instagram and I've read Blood Sisters and Dead X. And I just, I love all of your books. And I was so thrilled when you reached out to me to talk about a column that you write for my weekly called Diary of a Modern Grand, which, by the way, I love that title. So when did you start that column and what was the, sort of the inspiration for that? Well, it started about three years ago, actually. Um, My Weekly is a lovely uh, weekly magazine um, Mm -hmm. in England. And I've been writing for it for years and years, actually, long before I became a novelist. I write short stories for it and I write articles. And I don't know about you, Cathy, I suspect you feel the same way that when my grandchildren were born, I wanted to write about them. There were so many funny things that were happening, so many tricky things as well. And then the natural writerly side of me wanted to jot them down. And some of them, as I said, were really funny and, and some not so funny. So I just asked the magazine if they would be interested in, in the column and they said yes. And it's gone on from there. So it's it's every week. And mm-hmm. as part of it, I interview another grandparent. So I write about my weekly experiences and then at the end, a little sort of quick interview with another grandparent about what they do with their grandchildren, funny things that they say. And that's why I reached out to you. And so you're in this week's column and your answers were great. Oh, that's awesome. It's so funny when you say, you know, you, you wanted to write about them right away. I launched like a whole radio show on a podcast because I wanted to talk about them, Jane. So I totally get where you're coming <laughs> from. So and I assume you get some feedback on your columns. Are there certain topics that you get more feedback than others or, you know, good or bad? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I get quite a lot of people saying that they find the line between them telling grandchildren what to do mm. and and perhaps in, <laughs> making suggestions about maybe about how they eat or how they talk. It's a very fine line that and overstepping it and to adhering to what the parents want to do. And I completely agree about that. I, I've I learned to hold my tongue on certain occasions, but it is, it is a tricky one. The other thing that comes across is this huge responsibility of having them. Mm. And I, I must say, I felt this from, from day one, actually, especially as my granddaughter wasn't well for the first few months of her life she's fine now but it, we had a very scary time there were lots of trips to to hospital and so the responsibility of of looking after a little one two days a week which I did when my daughter then went back to work and then her little brother is wonderful but daunting mm-hmm. so I would sometimes say this to my daughter and she'd say, but why, mom? You brought up three of us and it's because they're not actually ours they're, they're one step on And this is a subject I hear a lot about from my readers, that they love doing what they're doing, but they're also really aware of the responsibility. Oh, absolutely. I always say that I'm more careful with my grandsons than I was with my four kids as well. And because I don't want to break them, that they're not mine. I agree. They're on loan and I don't want those privileges to be taken away from me. And what you say about overstepping, that's an international subject, I think, because we deal with exactly the same thing here. (laughs) So you've just talked about you write this column. Is there a grandma book in the works, Jane? Is there, you know, are you going to write about those experiences no more of a longer format? Well, I think they come out in my novels. Okay. Um, Certainly being a grandparent has given me a different perspective. And I I find a lot of my novels now include grandchildren Mm. or grandparents. My own grandmother was a really important person in my life. We we lived with her in her house until I was 12. And then we moved around the corner. 
um, not far from her. Mm -hmm. And she was alive until I was in my late 30s. And she was hugely important. So I do love writing about older people in my books. And in fact, in my book called I Made a Mistake, which is about a woman who has an affair, she lives with her mother-in-law and absolutely adores her and they're great friends. And the mother-in-law tells her story about her own marriage dating back from the 60s and the chapters um, alternate. And I couldn't have written that without, A, having had a grandmother, a wonderful grandmother, and also just being involved with the whole grandparenting process. Yeah, it totally gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Just like age age in general does, but going through those different experiences for sure. That's right, yeah. But maybe I could write, I, I should be nervous <laughs> about writing a how to be a grandparent. <laughs> not sure there is a right way. You just kind of uh, try to do the best. <laughs> I think that's the whole book, right? It's more like a leaflet. Yeah, it's just to, just do yeah. your best, right? <laughs> do you show your kids, your grown kids, your column before it runs? Oh, Absolutely. So I have to file on Monday morning and Sunday night, I send it to my daughter because the the first bit, as I said, talks about my week with them. And then there are other bits which don't really relate to them. So I do a bit about funny things kids say. I also answer problems. I'm I'm an agony granny. There's an agony gran in it. And I tend to find that people actually send their questions in and say, please just don't mention my name because obviously they don't want their children to read it. So I send my, my daughter the bit that relates to her and Yes, she'll tell me if she doesn't like something and I will totally respect that. I will absolutely make sure that that it's to her liking before I file it. Because as you said just now, you just don't want to overstep the mark and, and abuse the privilege that we that we have. Of looking Absolutely. After them. And not just writing, just for anybody, if you're posting on social media, things like that, we're always mm-hmm. checking in, of course. Jane, I can't believe I have to wind up this conversation already, but if people want to find your new book, of course, it's called We All Have Our Secrets. It's Jane yes. Corey, and your last name is spelled C-O-R-R-Y. And janecoreyauthor.com is your website, and we can find you on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And thank goodness we found each other on Instagram. Me too. And, and are you able to say I'm published by Penguin? I'm very proud of being published by Penguin. Absolutely. So. Published by Penguin. And we can find uh, your books anywhere right now. And we'll look forward to the release of We All Have Our Secrets in Canada soon. Thank you so much, Jane. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. As Vice President of the Professional Practice and Tax Group at RBC Royal Trust, Tracy Wu leads the technical, legal, and tax expertise for trust and estate matters, as well as a team of in-house accounting and tax professionals. Prior to joining RBC, Tracy practiced corporate tax law at a national law firm. She graduated from Queen's University with a Bachelor of Commerce degree and obtained her Bachelor of Law from Osgoode Hall Law School. Tracy sits on the steering committee of the Global STEP Digital Assets Special Interest Group, and more recently, she has obtained her Trust and Estate Practitioner designation. Good morning, Tracy. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about legacy planning for grandchildren and the common go-to option that parents and grandparents think about to save for their child or grandchild's future education is an RESP or a Registered Education Savings Plan. What is an RESP and are there other options? So an RESP is a tax-deferred savings vehicle that allows a person, and it's typically the parents or grandparents of the child, to save for that child's post-secondary education. And what makes an RESP such a great savings vehicle for that child's education is that the contributions made, although not tax-deductible, grow tax-free until the funds are withdrawn. And depending on eligibility, government incentives and grants, such as the Canada Education Savings Grant, may also apply to further enhance any savings you put into that RESP. 
Now, to answer your second question as to options, yes, certainly there are other options that grandparents can consider when it comes to putting money aside for their grandchildren's future. And depending on your family's specific circumstances and objectives, it may be worth considering other savings options, such as settling a trust to save for your grandchildren's future education. So can you shed some light for us on which options would be more beneficial when saving for a child or grandchild's post-secondary education? Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to determining whether an RESP is the best savings vehicle for your grandchild's education, there are a few factors to consider. First off, I'd ask, what's the purpose or objective of the gift you're leaving for your grandchild? So would you like your grandchildren to use the funds exclusively for post-secondary education? Or would you like some flexibility as to how that money saved is used in the future? It may be stating the obvious, but funds that are set aside in an RESP can only be used by your grandchild for post-secondary education. So if the beneficiary or your grandchild chooses not to go to university or college, the government incentives will have to be forfeited to the government and any contributions made return to the contributor. The second factor I would take into account is whether your grandchildren are resident in Canada and likely to remain in Canada as they grow up. And this matters because contributions can only be made to an RESP for grandchildren who are resident in Canada at the time of the contribution. If your grandchild becomes a non-resident after contributions are made, they may not be able to benefit from all of the funds that you've saved and accumulated in that RESP. The last factor I would take into account is how much you plan to set aside roughly for your grandchildren and whether the parents or the other set of grandparents of your grandchildren have already contributed to an RESP. It's important to note that RESPs are subject to a lifetime contribution limit of $50,000 per grandchild. So if the total contributions made for that grandchild already exceed the $50,000 limit, any additional contributions made could be subject to a penalty of 1% per month on the excess amount contributed. So bearing those factors in mind as to when an RESP may or may not be the right savings vehicle for you, some of the factors to consider for when a trust may be a more appropriate savings vehicle include, as I already mentioned, if your grandchildren already have an RESP set up and contributions are already being maximized by the child's parents or the other set of grandparents. Another factor to consider is if you would like the flexibility of having your grandchildren benefit from using the funds for other purposes beyond post-secondary education, such as to assist with the purchase of a home, to fund a business, or if your grandchild has specific financial needs or a disability. Now, the benefit of using a trust to set aside money for grandchildren is that the terms of the trust agreement can be customized by you to specify when and for what purpose the funds may be distributed to your grandchild. Trust can also leave control around the disbursement of the funds in the grandparents' hands while they are alive if they name themselves as the initial trustees. And then the trust can continue to be administered and managed under the eye of an appointed trustee long after the grandparents' passing. There's also no limit or cap on the amounts you can contribute to a trust. And a Canadian trust can be set up even if your grandchildren are resident outside of Canada. Although tax advice should be obtained to understand the potential tax implications of distributing funds to a non-resident grandchild. Finally, it's worth noting that although any dollar amount can be used to fund a trust, the benefit of setting up a trust must be weighed with the costs of the setup and operating that trust on an ongoing basis. A lawyer would be required to draft the trust agreement, and there's also an annual cost of filing tax returns and other, uh, as well as other income tax considerations that should be factored into this decision as well. 
Any final thoughts or words of advice you'd like the listeners to know about when making such an important education funding decision? Absolutely. So generally speaking, uh, as I'd mentioned, a trust is really better suited to circumstances where grandparents wish to put aside a more significant sum of money to benefit their grandchildren's post-secondary education, and where the objective is to have some flexibility to allow their grandchildren to be able to use the funds for other purposes beyond just post-secondary education. So with that in mind, and as final parting words, I think it's important to consider your objectives and your family's circumstances when determining how to best save for your grandchildren's future. And since every family has specific needs and circumstances, I'd recommend you consult your advisor to further explore the right options for you. Thanks so much, Tracy. And of course, if we need more information, we can go to RBC Royal Trust, rbc.com slash Royal Trust. Thanks for being part of our Take 5 with RBC segment today. My pleasure. I'm not one of those cookie-baking grandmas, but my grandson, at 10, gave me the culinary compliment of a lifetime. He asked his mom for roasted Brussels sprouts like grandma's. Mine are the only ones he eats. Grandma and friend of the show, Rona Maynard, shared that quote with me, talking about the joys of grandparenthood. Thanks to Jane, Amy, and Tracy for sharing their words of wisdom with us as well today. Next week's show, we take it outside. That's something my husband used to say to the kids when they were in a fighting mood. But we're in for a more peaceful tone as we head outside for a grandkid dinner and a show night. Cookbook author Charmaine Broughton talks about her new cookbook, Delicious and Doable, which has some great ideas for backyard meals, even vegan ones, for my grandkids. And after dinner, a show. City Line expert Shona Jensen tells us how to set up the perfect patio for watching movies and enjoying the outdoor patio with our grandkids. And we talk to a Royal Trust expert about the intergenerational transfer of wealth, which will happen in a lot of families coming soon as part of our Take 5 with RBC Financial Advice series. Thanks again for joining me on GoToGrandma. I hope you're enjoying listening to the show as much as I enjoy researching, writing, and recording it. And I couldn't do any of it without the support of my amazing producer, Kelly Robotham. Thank you, Kelly. Until next time, I'm Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.